Hello, you wonderful individual, or indeed group, huddled around the wireless on a Saturday or evening or morning, or whatever it is you do to listen. You are currently tuned in to Out of the Broom Cupboard. I'm Chris Yonko-Johnson. Those of a certain age may recognise me as that bloke in the CBBC office who used to sit next to Hacker. But more often than not, over the course of my four to six years, based on, if you couch out, Saturday's presentation, uh, I was paired up with Warwick Brownlow Pike. Warwick is a puppeteer who played the role of Oucho T. Cactus, opposite Ed Petrie, and also, currently, is Dodge T. Dog, who uh, I presented with on CBBC, who now is a uh, puppet presenter on CBBS. Warwick has done so many things over the course of his 10-plus year career now, uh, going on 15 years. Congratulations, Warwick. Consistency in employment. It's a rare thing. In fact, you can catch his most recent work on the CBeebies channel as Dodge the Dog, but also puppeteering for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix. Warwick is also a current cast member of Sesame Street, playing the role of Gonga. And when the show begins, you'll hear us having a little chat about uh, Gonga's beginnings and what led to his and Cookie Monster's food truck segments on Sesame Street, which we also go into greater detail about later in the episode. Now, if you want to get some exclusive video content of Warwick getting up to shenanigans, we did some sketches and some interview stuff, you need to become a top-tier patron on patreon.com slash OOTBC. For those who are already donating, I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, For those who have yet to donate, hey, don't worry about it. You're under no pressure. But if you do, I love you forever. You'll get a bunch of lovely perks too. Without further ado, sit back, relax, and pop a puppet on us. It's out of the broom cupboard. about this is it feels like a natural evolution of an idea you've always wanted to do, in a way. In an alternate dimension, yeah. Gonga is, is Dodge, yeah. and Cookie Monster's Rusty Lee. Because yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you're not like a big chef, are you? You're not like a huge, sure passionate... Exactly, that's what I'm saying, like, it's not a, a passion directly, no, but not, I, think you've, not, I, think you've always, I think you've always loved the idea of a puppet in the kitchen. I've always loved the idea of Rusty Lee. <laughs> I just love Rusty Lee. Yeah. It's true though, isn't it? In a way, yeah, I've been thinking about Food Show forever. This has happened to me so many times in life where... Well, it's I've a good set for, for a puppet character in general. Yeah. I've always... It's happened to me like I've thought about something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Come up with it. It's not happened. But it has happened in a different guise soon after. Just before I came to Prez, I was... Me and Phil, before me and Phil were in Prez... Yeah. I designed a chicken in a coop. Yeah. Of chicken run-esque. And we were going to pitch that as Channel 5 Prez mm. uh, mornings in Prez yeah a chicken puppet and then CBBC Prez came along also it would have been like a milkshake for the older kids just kind I, don't, of I don't know what it was I can't remember but it was milkshake kids presentation chicken in a coop you send the emails you read them out that's true you enjoy do you know what I mean yeah and then before you know it CBBC <laughs> came along so oh I do this cactus I planned it though yeah and then it happened it was happening already. Can you can you plan for me to accidentally find a lottery ticket that's got like three million it's pounds funny, on it? Funny, isn't it? Well, it's weird. How, it's weird how things fall into place sometimes. In general, yeah. I think I think especially in the creative arts because you don't really know. Nothing's ever a dead cert. No. But I think as long as you're driven onto something, eventually it will manifest yeah, in yeah. some way. I kind of believe in like cosmically ordering stuff as well. 
Cosmic Order. Yeah, do you? I, I mean, yeah, Cosmically to a degree. Yeah, putting to, it out there like I want to do this. To a degree, I think it's a good. It's a good motivator to give yourself a goal mm. in that way. But but I don't. You mean you sort of like you put it out to the universe and also the people around you. So yeah. people now know that this is what you're planning and want. Well, so eventually, like, it gets to the right person, I suppose. Well, it's like I've always, I've, I've always wanted to sit down with my contemporaries and colleagues and friends from from the world of kids entertainment and talk about it. And here we are in Out of the Broom Cupboard, episode four. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Is we, how we don't know. It was a little bit official. I sort of, I sort of, I sort of hoodwinked you into a conversation about <laughs> cosmic coincidences. Yeah. Um, but it's true because, like, it's it's. Uh, Cosmic coincidence and 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 the idea of putting stuff out there led to us working together and yeah. me getting to meet you because we should never have been a double act. No, no, we wouldn't have. But we were yeah. <laughs> a couple of times in a row, yeah. and it all began with me stealing your job, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, I'm Chris Johnson. Uh, you heard me in the introduction talking nonsense and telling you when the ad break's going to be and all that. But I am sat down with a lovely man. Uh, and a lovely woman, and a lovely being of cosmic proportions. I'm sat with Mr. Warwick Brownlow-Pike. Say hello to the people at home, know you're real. Hello everybody, I am real, and thanks for having me. And that was a pleasure, thank you for having me in your lovely living room, <laughs> with several pairs of eyes staring at us from another piece of furniture, which is quite nice. We, we, can't, we can't really say who, because you've got to be a top-tier patron to find out who's staring at us to watch the video, so there's my plug. But there are eyes in the room. But there, there are there are several people in here who make me feel warm inside. I'm Yourself sure. included. I'm not sure if they're people. <laughs> Good entities. I'm I'm so chuffed to finally get to sit down with you to do this for two reasons. One, I've not seen you in Donkeys, so it's lovely to see you. It's been a while. You're a very busy man. I've been very you're busy. a very busy. You're a very busy man and and muppet and, <laughs> and you know you, you, you're all over the shop. Yeah. Um, in every possible way, but also just because. We got a very nice response to our first episode of Broom Cupboard, which was another um, puppeteer, shall we say. Good. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, difference being, uh, as I've always said about with yourself and Mr. Phil Fletcher, the difference between you two in your styles, to me, has always been about approach, if that makes any sense. Mm. You are both two of the strongest performers I've ever worked with in any medium on anything, because you have a dedication and a passion for it. Yeah. But I've always marked Phil down as... A, he's more a performer who does it through puppets. Yeah, you are a, you are a craft puppeteer. Yeah, I'd say so. You you are the guy who, if it comes to like, right, we need somebody, and Phil's listening to this, he's going to shut up. No, honestly, Phil, <laughs> you're a turn. Warwick's the guy who, if they need somebody to create a creature or bring something to life on any medium, be it stage, be it on film, and of course television, you're the guy I go to. Because you, you, you know, like, you know, you, this is going to be the next hour. It's just yeah. going to be me blowing your trumpet. I hope you don't mind. But it, it's true. Like, you, you are somebody who comes at this profession and especially kids entertainment as well as, as a byproduct of that and, and mm. the path that's led you down with the degree of, of love for yeah. this style of performing. Or for the art. I have a, yeah. a big love and, and big love. respect yeah. for the art of puppetry. And I'd like to push it and see what we can do with it. And not do the same things over and over again. So that's what I try and do, I think. I think that definitely bleeds through. Uh, and we'll get yeah. onto, obviously, um, certain characters as we go by. And there's sort of one character in particular that very much, like, needed an entire sensibility to be created for that character to work. Yeah. And a commitment for that character to work. So much so that, like, 
an almost entire new language was created for that character to work. It was, yeah. Um, we'll get into that, but what I want to know is, young Sir Warwick, mm. what's your earliest memory of puppets, if need be, but like wanting to perform? Well, like I've said this a lot really, but my earliest memory of puppet puppet related memory mm. is watching the Muppet Show. Yeah. Being sat in front of the TV in 87, I suppose, mm-hmm. 88. Watching the Muppet Show, two, so two or three years old, and uh, we have photographs of me at that age, possibly younger, with puppets yeah. that had been bought for me. So I was just into them. I was, into, I suppose, I was always into the idea of bringing something else to life. You do that as a kid, anyway. Yeah, like the action figure toy, like yeah, adventures, exactly, yeah. and, and but it just and, so happened that yeah. I had those kind of things. You could put your hand inside yeah. and make them up, make them people, make them be characters. So it was definitely the Muppet Show. That's why we never allowed any pets. Yeah, we had a dog. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> We had a dog, but I didn't like her. Because um, <laughs> every time you tried to put your hand in her head, she yeah. was like, get off me! She What's wrong with you? She didn't like me, I didn't like her. Stop putting strings on me, paws. Um, so it was the Muppets and the Muppet Show, specifically the, the Muppet Show. I remember the Muppet Show coming on, we recorded it, and I just wore the tapes out. I loved it. So this is, where, where is this? Is this is... Where in the world? Yeah. It's me in East London in our place, and my mum would have been there too. She'd have been busy doing something, so she put me in front of the telly. And then Muppet Show's in the syndication Muppet show by now, I guess. BBC yeah. One, the Muppet Show was on in repeats. And uh, yeah, so she taped it for me. We had, we had a tape. We had Julie Andrews, Muppet Show, Lena Horne, um, Harry Belafonte, Cheryl Ladd. <laughs> and I watched them religiously. Yeah. I know them backwards. Pretty impressive like, yeah. to still remember the exact route. But I guess you were bitten, I suppose, by that point, yeah, by the yeah. bug of it. I was, I was in. By the time that first episode was through, I was lock, stock and barrel done. I was, for life, I was in. I, yeah. was, I was a fully paid up member. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I will be yeah, yeah. on equity well, doing puppets. Like, pretty soon after that, do the paper around now. that time, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do that. I want to do the Muppets. And whenever anybody asked me from that age on, I said, I want to, I want to, I'm a puppeteer. I didn't even say I want to be a puppeteer. I said, yeah. I'm a puppeteer. I was a puppeteer. Hello, I'm Warwick, puppeteer. It's like, you're yeah, seven. Exactly, I, just, yeah. I just asked you to pay for the milk. Yeah, my, my school <laughs> books are full of drawings of puppets and designs and, and all that kind of thing. And I was always doing it. And then every Christmas I'd get a puppet for Christmas or my birthday. It'd be something puppet related. Yeah. And they bought me the Muppet puppets. They bought me a Punch and Judy booth. Well, they had, my uncle was a carpenter. They had him make me a Punch and Judy booth. Mm. We lived in a flat. I mean, there's no room for a Punch and Judy booth in a flat, but that's what they did. They were dedicated. So my parents... Got, had that happen they painted it up and had my name painted on it and stuff had curtains so you had your own chance to be like well I'm the Muppet Show yeah, yeah. Was, were there any were there any you liked to emulate when you were that young were there any specific characters or was it just um, you wanted to have a go at everybody I just had a go at everybody I'd try and do the voices of all the characters I have pictures of me with my Cookie Monster puppet when I was probably four and now I'm Cookie Monster's friend <laughs> <laughs> just hanging out yeah. it's like he's a, he's a contemporary and a colleague now yeah <laughs> He's got on speed dial. But I like I like Jim's <laughs> characters. Kermit and Ernie, Rolf. And those are the ones that puppets off too. What what drew you to Jim's more, do you think? I don't know. They're quite soulful, aren't they? And they're quite real. They're real people. Like Rolf would be a nice friend to have. Mm. <laughs> He'd be a nice guy. Ernie's a good fun friend. Yeah. They're nice guys. And you mean the sort of characters you watch and you go like, I would I'd, I'd have a hypothetical beer with that puppet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would sit down. With Rolfie would. I mean, with like... Well, Rolfie definitely would. With Fozzie, Some kind Fozzie's of 30s, 30s themed speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. Tinkling around the piano. But like, I, as Frank Oz is a genius. I love his characters. But Fozzie's needy. Miss Piggy's <laughs> hard work. Yeah. Gonzo's weird. 
by Dave Goals. You never thought of it that way, really. To, you said that like, a lot of the a lot of the cast members of who created that you know original kind of big lineup of the characters yeah. that certain are caricature-ish in certain ways, whereas Jim's do have more of a grounded feel yeah. to them. It's funny you should say that because I, I I I feel that um, Dodge in particular has that vibe yeah. about him. Oh, you can kind of see that in his DNA. Even when he first shows up, and he's a bit more of a wheeler dealer and a bit of a <laughs> bit, bit, bit of a, a geezer keeping his distance, they're, they're still uh, like they're kind of with that. With that was more the sort of the typical Cockney, the Cockney warmth, mm. you know, the the the, 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 the ragamuffin with the twinkle yeah. in his eye vibe. But we changed that. Yeah, over time. Well, over time, he sort of warmed up to yeah. his surroundings, and, yeah. and that and changed him. I remember the point where I thought over a weekend, I was like, I need to make the voice higher. I need to make him cuter, and I think like he went home on the Friday night as a cockney geezer and came back in on the Monday as... <laughs> he was bitten by a radioactive teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, he just like, came back all sweet and like lovely. Ten years younger, voice high. <laughs> well, it was, yeah. it, was, it was a smart call, I think, because puppets, as we say in them, like with sort of Frank's characters and everything, when you have a big cast of, of puppet characters, obviously the Muppets is like the go-to for that setting mm-hmm. and, and Sesame Street before mm-hmm. it and, and Long May It Rain. But like, it, 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 is, it is very much about... Um, creating personalities that you want to spend time with. Yeah. But still keeping the core archetype of that, yeah, yeah. Of, of the character to begin with. You want yeah. you want the familiar. Well, they've also got to be enjoyable to watch mm. and not annoying. And that's how characters like Hacker and Dodge hopefully have lasted so long. Yeah. You don't really get annoyed by them that much. Well, that and you guys know where all the bodies are buried, so <laughs> <laughs> they have to keep you around. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> They're not bodies per se. I think that's why characters like the Muppets worked in, say, the Muppet movie, which I think was after Christmas Carol was my first exposure to that world, like getting that on VHS. It, it's it doesn't seem like a logical leap to take characters like that who are for the variety show format and put them in an hour and a half narrative, like mm. this, that, and the other. But but it 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 definitely worked and worked for them so well. They did it like what ten. 11 more times over the course of a few decades <laughs> um, yeah because those characters are so well developed mm. they've been work- by that point those characters had been around for 20 odd years yeah you know they, most of them started in 76 Kermit started in 55 mm. so by the 90s they were well, they could they were, could be characters that played other characters yeah and, and pull it off that's true they're, they're sort of actors in their own right yeah to that point yeah um, but the, again it's all the traits showing through yeah Again, I think that's something that you understand really well to the point where it's just part of your DNA. Mm. The idea of them being a fully fledged personality that like, can carry to, through whatever they are put in. Yeah. To me, they're just people. And, like, you know me, I know them inside out. And I've performed, I've performed lots of them sometimes for, for things when, when you have to double up for somebody. Yeah, to me, I just still think of them as people. Like, I, I was watching Kermit the other day and I was like, oh, I do like Kermit. I like that man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a was, lovely man. That was the thought that came to my head. I just <laughs> like Kermit. <laughs> he's, a lo- he's a lovely fella. Yeah. Just off the, off, off the top of your head, how many of the OG Muppets that you, you that you can think of, stroke, are allowed to say, um, have you had a hand in, literally? Well, so when we're doing something like a Muppet movie, mm-hmm. Muppets Most Wanted movie, lots of puppeteers have lots of characters. So when they are doing the character that is a lead in that scene you will have to double up for somebody else's character. Yeah. For instance, if the man who does Miss Piggy, Eric, is doing Piggy in the scene, and Fozzie's also in the scene, and Animal's in the scene, and Sam the Eagle's in the scene, you need three other puppeteers mm. to double up on those characters that aren't the feature. So I would do that kind of thing on projects like a Muppet movie or, or, for the Muppet Show characters. Mm-hmm. 
when they come to England and stuff. And I mean, throughout that, I did most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you've had so you've had a hand in say like Fozzy Animal. I was going to say, have you touched Animal? Yeah, it kind of feels, it, <laughs> which it, sounds it, criminal it, in a way. It feels a bit dirty <laughs> saying it because they are characters. You know, they're not like yeah. They're like I said, they're people. To, they're not a prop to, to me. Yeah. So, yeah. but but a, but a fair do, few of that OG yeah, cast. Yeah, you, they need. You just need the manpower. How do you think six-year-old Warwick would oh, respond knowing lose his mind? Yeah. I'm glad I ne- I'm glad I never knew this stuff was going to happen to me because it, you I would have just lost my mind. But I always kind of believed it would. Mm. Blind faith and stuff. I always was well, you were saying at the beginning like that's you, what was you, you put happen. something out there. You yeah, did yeah. it as a kid. Like even as a kid you went I'm a puppeteer. Yeah. You were like that's what I am. I'm going to work for the Muppets. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I remember telling somebody in school oh, I'm going to work for the Muppets. And they were just like so they were just looked at me thinking what the hell are you saying? I don't know what you're saying to me. And I was just <laughs> I was just happy to be saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really need a reaction. I was just telling them the facts. So was was there a, a game plan as you got a bit older? Did you get to a point where you were like, I'm going to I'm gonna do this and I'm, this is how I'm going to get in there? Or was it still more a passion that was either side of real life kind of... Well, not to say the puppeteering is in real life, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It, well, wasn't, it wasn't the day to job. It wasn't the it day wasn't, job yet. Yeah, yeah. Like I had jobs as a kid and stuff, but... It wasn't until I had no plan of how to get into puppetry mm. because that wasn't a thing. I didn't know any puppeteers. I didn't. I, I knew of the famous puppeteers to me, who were mm. the ones who were professionals in the movies and TV shows, but I didn't know any puppeteers. So there was never a plan of oh, that's what you do. You go to this place, and he tells you to go to there, and she tells you this, and then you you start work on the Monday. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't at work. So one day <laughs> in my teens, it just occurred to me, late teens, it occurred to me, Google puppeteer audition so I did it hmm. and there was an audition for CVBs and I got the job as a puppeteer assistant yeah and and the rest is history and I've been there ever since so you sort out work like I, would I just it went looking be for it be a job or just to see what was out in, in, yeah, yeah. in there well I the, I googled with the intention to find an audition you found an audition to get a job I found an audition and got the job yeah and I've been working ever since. What was that first job? Space Pirates for CBBs. CBBs. And I was an assistant to a puppeteer called Sarah Burgess. There were these three singing rats. You can see them on my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the hands of the piano playing rat. Okay. Basically. So it was live hand? It, no, it was rotted hands. Rod hands. But she, the, she was singing and playing the piano. And that's what would often happen. You would start as an assistant mm-hmm. doing hands and, and, you know, blinks and whatever else needs doing for the lead performer for a few years. Just to learn the ropes. Yeah. To learn things. And you you should, by that point, like, you should be working on your lip sync and your characters. Because you, you were, you know, you were playing with puppets and, and developing a style and, and everything already up to I'd that a, point. I'd had that. I, the lip sync was in the bag. Yeah. It wasn't refined, but it was, I was good. It was something you'd been, been practicing. I was practicing for a good 15 years, 20 years. Were you making puppets before this I point? was also making puppets up until yeah. then, yeah. And they take a long time to make. Mm. It's not, especially like again, if you're fitting it in I just got free time busy. and everything. It's, I just it's... got too busy to be making puppets anymore. Um, but I always design puppets, mm. and other people make them for me. Oh yeah, yeah, you you are you are one of the best. Like sort oh. of from 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 um, like mind to page, like designers <laughs> I can think of. Like you can you can sit there and be like, it's, it, you know, something like I'm thinking it's kind of like a frog, and just and you'll just start drawing it while you're talking, <laughs> yeah. and within two minutes there's a sketch. And it's like, yeah. oh my god, what? That's a puppet already, right? Like, yeah. No, but like something like that. You're yeah. like, wait, what? 
<laughs> okay, because it looks so. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 a thing that like anyone who ever draws hears and they get a bit sick of it. I know I did. When people are sort of like, did you do that from memory? It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, that's how drawing that's works. How you think works. of a thing, yeah. but you create a character yeah. like almost well, on the spot. I've always been a confident artist too. You're a brilliant artist. You're a really good cartoonist. My opinion with art is you can't get it wrong. If you are doing it, mm-hmm. it's your art. You can't get it wrong. Whereas I think lots of people think when they're drawing something, they've got oh, it wrong. I wish I could draw like you. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you well, don't. You, you draw like you. Draw like you. <laughs> so you don't have to cross things out. And just, if you've made a mistake, just pretend it's not a mistake. Just don't <laughs> say it's a mistake. And then it's and then it's not a mistake. Adapt. Adapt it and carry on with it. So uh, So that's what I think. So that's what I think about art, Chris. That's what I think about art. That's my critique on art. I don't art. know where I was going like, with that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, so it, it's a visual style. It's something that you're on top of, that you, you've self-taught, and then you're in that professional environment. Did anything hit you on Space Pirates where you were like, oh, cripes, like, I've, I didn't even think about that. That was something I never considered. Or, or were you sort of well- uh, Not really, well rehearsed and well read. Yeah. I'd watched all the documentaries. I knew what was going down. I, I knew it already. You knew what was going down in Puppet Town. The, the sheer joy of being there doing it was was just immense. It was lovely. It's great. I still have that joy now every day Yeah. when I do it. And I still love like the smells of it, the smells of the studios. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and the, the paraphernalia that goes with it and the lights. Showbiz. <laughs> I just like all the stuff. And the people. There's, a, there's a reason it's like a stereotype of, of TV and film yeah. stuff. It's like the show with the bright lights about this because, like, yeah, it's yeah. it is there. And when you see it, it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing this to earn money today. Yeah. And the magic, this is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, the magic that happens, like it's all messing around and it's free and easy. And then people bringing in new costumes for your yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, right, how do we do this? And but then they hit, hit record and it all comes together and it's a lovely thing. So and space goes, and it goes out there. Well, so space pirates goes out. I'm assuming it doesn't go out anywhere anymore. No, no, I mean at the time. Oh, it was going back in time. It was NCBBS, and it, it like was nominated for some awards and stuff. And it was, it, I think it was like and around the world too. So how, it was quite a big deal for me. How long between making Space Pirates and the next job? So I don't know how long, but that started in like the June of two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. July, and we ran that. We did a rehearsals at Elstree Studios. Where the Muppet Show was shot. I was going to say, like, I bet you were like, so, wait, wait, wait like, where? Where, where, where are we meeting? <laughs> puppet Mecca for someone like me. Um, like, I visit it whenever I can. Yeah. I was there a couple of months ago just to go and look at Studio D and, like, say thank you. Just have a peer. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so funny. So, that, so also on that show, we were other puppeteers. Uh, I was assisting Sarah Burgess, a lady named Yvonne Stone, who made the puppets, was assisting Brian Herring, and a puppeteer called Will Banyard was assisting Dave Chapman. Dave Chapman was Otis the Aardvark on CBBC presentation mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Yeah. There's, one we're, day... We're, that was, that was yeah, we were the same generation in yeah. terms of what we were watching. So yeah. one day I wrote in as a kid to CBBC, they said, what, what are you obsessed with? And I wrote in and I said, I'm obsessed with puppets. And so Dave called me up. Now Dave says he never called anybody up. Yeah. But this kid wrote in about puppets, and he Dave also loves puppets. And yeah, he's a puppeteer. It was obviously that 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 uncommon phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. He was like, right, let's there's respond a, to this. There's kid. a kid who likes what what I'm into. So he called me up, and we he had a lovely chat about puppets with me, and uh, and yeah, just and that was I was for the first time speaking to a puppeteer. Yeah, a British puppeteer. Yeah, which who, which people I I don't think people appreciate kind of how 
how rare it is as a profession in terms in terms of the yeah. sort of work you're doing and how often and how mm. many people are in there. Mm. It's the it's the same as like the voice acting community. A large portion of it is the same forty individuals yeah. in Los Angeles. Like that's kind yeah, of yeah. it. And that's what it was. They were all yeah. always American. Yeah, and it's East Coast majority is like yeah. New York seems yeah. to be a big base for that's for like is. Henson Group and everything. We're working on that's Sesame and everything. So it, it was quite a rare thing, and and I think. Children's BBC as it was then, it hadn't quite got the acronym yet. Like yeah. Otis was the latest in a line. It was almost of, a of British character. It was so British, yeah, which is hilarious. Well, it was <laughs> It's not the most British thing off no. the top of off the top of your head. But but it was yeah. made by one of the handsome performers, mm-hmm. so it had that Muppet quality to it. And, uh, it's so a gorgeous design, isn't it? It's great. So yeah. he called me back and we discussed puppets, and and then that was it. And then there were some years there between where I didn't interact with him and that anymore but I'd managed to meet the Muppet performers mm-hmm. at, at the premieres and stuff so that completely blew my mind of course because like you're you're a Muppet super fan in the yeah. decade of Christmas Carol, Carol Treasure, Treasure Island. Island so I got to go to the premieres of those and meet the, all those puppeteers yeah like my little brain was exploding so then we jump forward again to Space Pirates and I come in the room and Dave says Warwick Brown Pike I was like yeah and he goes <laughs> I uh spoke to you on the phone when you were like 10 and I was like god yeah you did and I'd forgotten that because <laughs> it suddenly hit you because like, oh my god. I, like soon after that I'd met my heroes yeah so meeting puppeteers then it, it just all kind of merged into a big thing and uh, he was like how could I forget your name <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so and then we've been friends ever since because we have such similar interests and he so the people at CBBC said we want another puppet presentation. Will you come back and do it to Dave? And mm-hmm. Dave had already done his stint. Because Otis has been on like, what, seven, eight years? Five or six years. Five or six, why did I think Maybe it was, it was seven. Did he pop up in shows for a yeah, time? Yeah, a few shows well? too. Yeah. yeah, okay, that'll be why. And Dave felt like he'd done his time there, so, on presentation. So he said, I know I don't want to do it, but this guy should do it. Yes, nice. And and that, that was me, I was the new kid. But again, like he'd, he'd, seen, he'd seen your obviously your drive and your passion for it and that alone like going back to putting it out into the universe you've yeah. done that and he'd gone like well this guy like have a talk with him was it an immediate casting or was there an audition process there was first an interview okay of sorts Ooh, very formal of sorts yeah which was in a pub in Soho oh <laughs> it's not so formal upstairs <laughs> and there was like a family gathering or something on the tables next to us it was very loud and noisy <laughs> and uh, Joe Mace and Guy Lambert, who Joe's now the head of ITV Light Entertainment, mm-hmm. and Guy was our producer eventually for Ed Nacho. They said, "So, what do you think?" I'd done a whole couple of pages of drawings. Yeah, of, of, I knew it was going to be a plant and a cactus that they were seeing before. So I did loads of drawings and stuff. So um, behind the scenes, that I guess by this point they'd conceived the CBBC office they, was going to yeah, be they a had, new away thing. from me. They had decided yeah. it would be an office. There'd be a male presenter. I think they had Ed by that point. And they knew that their puppet was going to be the late Ed Petrie. He's not dead. He's just not here. He's just not here yet. Yeah, he will arrive any moment now. <laughs> um, then it was going to be a, a desk plant. So I did loads of designs. I didn't know that Neil Sterenberg was already designing and building a fantastic puppet. Yeah, which would eventually be for me. So they said, "Okay, what? So what would you do? This thing doesn't speak English. What would you do?" And in the pub, I was just like, oh, "Well, you'd probably be like this." And or something like that. <laughs> and this family gathering suddenly move one and, table down. Yeah, and they said, "Oh, okay, 
Cheers, alright, thanks for coming then, mate. <laughs> and that was that. And then a little while later, I heard... Did you feel like you'd oversold? Or... I just didn't know what had happened, really. <laughs> I was just happy to be involved. Um, and uh, a little while later, they, they must have had me back into audition with a puppet. Mm-hmm. A rough, a mock-up. Because I have that video. So Oof. there's just me under the table. So you're one of the you few people. So you're one of the few people who sort of keeps those sorts. Of, unless, of course, you've tried to burn. Well, I found it. Or... <laughs> it was going to be thrown out, so I kept it. Oh, no, I I found it. I found mine um, when there was that big digi clear out in yeah. 2011, and I was like, I'm going to let this be thrown out. Yeah. My... <laughs> I don't ever want to see this. I, although I think I've got it on a VHS somewhere, but I don't. I, I found do it an old myself. TV TV center with a video, one of those old ones with a video player in it. Yeah, two in one. And I was going to watch something on a video. So I ejected the video. And the video that was in there was my audition tape. Oh, damn. I had found this television and plugged it in on my desk. <laughs> so, that, so like that was so the audition been, tape was probably the last thing to have been watched to be on watched. that telly before and, it got put And this was like storage six covered. years after I started or That's something. So, so I just kept it in my desk. And then when when these towers being emptied out to knock down, I took it with me. So I did the audition then. Mm. And other people had auditioned as well. And eventually I got the job. And we... We, I, I can't remember when it, I started, but it must have been like August time. Yeah. We, we went on air September the third, two thousand seven. Yeah, you would you would have done you would have had a sort of warm up period. There was a long time. We went away for the couple of days and tried to figure everything out. And were you guys live immediately? Or I think we were live. Yeah, straight away. Damn, that's, first day. Yeah. That's big. Well, right, I suppose I suppose you guys were the. It was a rebrand. Yeah, you guys were the, the lead presenters of, yeah. of, of the rebrand that was now the CBC office. And of course, for those who haven't figured out who we're talking about oh. already, <laughs> um, that's how I was, I was going to sort of lead in. But the more, the more we talk, the more I was like, have I mentioned doing it? It's obviously Outro the Cactus we're talking about. Yeah. So many of you listening, I imagine, would have heard those noises Warwick made a moment ago and just sort of bricked yourself with joy. Because <laughs> like, it's... It makes me happy to like think of him, and I wasn't a kid of the outro generation. Like, yeah. outro was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, presentation and shows, which we'll get into. But like, I I wasn't an outro kid of the outro generation, but I knew full well who outro was. Yeah, because that was how much of an impact that rebrand made. It's funny that it, it kind of made such an impact and got out there. Mm. Well, it was it was new and different. Because like, like it was new and different, but it was a harking back to the original. Yeah, that was the thing, and, and right down to because the first set was in TC nine. Ours. Yeah. It was in TC12. TC12, sorry, not TC9. Yeah. But again, it was, it was, it was a smaller it was a very, set. very small room, yeah. Um, and it got even more broom cupboard-esque as time went by because it moved it into... actually went back into a broom cupboard. Um, was it EM20? Or was that the office? PR1. PR1. Was, the, was the M20 the office <laughs> floor? It was the That's office. The, the mezzanine office floor, yeah. But like, PR1 was, again, it was, oh yeah, this is the studio for children's presentation. And it was yeah. basically an, an editing suite, Edit suite like, yeah. cupboard space. Yeah. Like, there was no tech in there. They'd crammed a set and some back to the good old days of being in an actual broom cupboard. And I think that was probably why Ed Nacho hit within British pop culture at that time because it was that it was that flashback mm. kind of style. But it was also a level of bizarre surreal anarchy that sort of everyone yeah. always assumes. Everyone always says, "Oh, kids' TV, oh, it's all mad and crazy." And it's like, mm. isn't always though. It's usually no. quite vanilla and sanitary. Yeah. This really really wasn't like Ed Nacho was it was the mix of the people making it Mm. all of the people there had like obsessions and stuff in other things yeah I have my obsession with the Muppets and that kind of thing and Gala Produce has his obsession with Doctor Who and Ed has his obsession with that kind of off the wall comedy and you know Mm. Python-y stuff 
and and the and the art department had, were great at doing those weird things. Yeah, and the researchers were great at just go, finding like weird music or weird images or or finding the, a guest that was good to do this particular thing. Yeah, everybody had, everybody was just like, and they always are, but. It's just the right group of people. You, you find, again, it's that, that thing about passion, like driving the project itself. And, and mm. these guys have still clicked in a it way. It was fun. Like, we knew that we could kind of get away with stuff. And it was fun. Describe to the human beings listening to this mm. how, how you performed Outcho. And by that, I mean, what was your physical setup? Because pu- puppets of this style, like traditionally uh, when you're out and about or in, or in ground floor style sets that mm. don't have, you know, uh, different yeah, yeah. layers and everything, uh, it's lay on a trolley or, you know, put in a certain position well, or sat initially with a I wasn't, I was, Initially I was just sat kind of <laughs> L-shaped yeah. with my I mean, legs out in front of me. Because actually had the unique thing of being a puppet who is in situ, like he's a, he's he's a plant pot the on desk, the desk. Yeah. The pot is stuck to the desk. Yeah. He can, outro can pop out, but the pot is stuck to the desk. Yeah. With how, and, and there's how, a hole in the desk. Yeah. So I'm not behind the desk, which is quite comfortable. Mm. I'm under the desk, coming yeah. up through the desk, which is quite painful. Oh, I mean, I remember the, 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 the desk that was in um, PR1, like that, that, was a tight corner curve, yeah. That was a, it was a very small pocket. So you've got to get so, a six foot man under there, and yeah. then it, like it's quite limiting in what you can do. You can't turn to your left. Mm. Watch any of those things. You can't, can't. If I do, I'm probably taking my hand out of the puppet's head and twisting the whole body around. Yeah, and just hoping that it doesn't look bad. Yeah, like if you can't turn to your left, you can mostly look straight ahead, which is along the desk mm-hmm. to me to where I'm sitting. Yeah, neutral is straight along the desk to the wall. Looking to the left is looking down the lens of the wide shot. Yeah. And that's about what you can do. But all that being so limited and not being able to talk adds to the character. The frustration feeds into the character. Well, he's an angry character. And that's why he gets he's so cantankerous and he's so like jaded and, and just through with it because cause it's hard for me. And, yeah. I, and I can't walk around as a human letting that out to people so it comes through in the character. So you could, so kind of used Outro as a vessel for frustration. Therapy, and... therapy yeah. <laughs> Therapy where you got to swear without ever swearing. Really. Swearing in a different language. Swearing yeah. a different language. A language that only I understood. How did you and Ed get on at first? We're not similar. No. At all. No. Different backgrounds completely. And uh, and I think, I don't know what he thought of me. He probably thought, who's this kind of kid off the streets? But I just thought, oh, this guy is so, like, square. <laughs> Ed, Ed is Ed is such a, a wonderful anomaly because his on camera persona, especially for kids entertainment, and whenever he's like doing stand up or comparing, so yeah. it's very, very uh, again, it's, it's almost like this mix of angry, quirky, <laughs> you know, sort of like he he can be this joyous thing, but immediately turn on a dime to yeah. be quite you know sarcastic yeah. or whatever. Ed in real life is so quiet in comparison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we're, reco- we're recording that. these out of order. You guys will have already heard the Ed Petrie episode of, of Oh, good. So I've, cupboard. I've called him square after. Yes. <laughs> so he can't react to this. That's yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm interested to see where it's going to be like when I sit down with him. Cause... I wonder what he thought about me. He must have thought we just need to get it, it was this weird trendy we need to get a professional in, uh, an adult, you know, like somebody who dresses properly. And I, can, I just can't imagine what he thought of me. But I, I just thought, like, he's. <laughs> like you know you think of a kid remember I'm still new at this point yeah so I think this is a, your second professional gig yeah and the yeah. first thing was just puppets mm-hmm. my portion of it was just puppets so I didn't interact with the humans of the show so I thought that they'd be as wacky as they are on camera 
Yeah. So when he was quiet and professional, yeah. and like and would concentrate on his lines and stuff. Ed's I the only. Li- I didn't expect it. I mean, I love him to bits, and he's great, and he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But and just, whenever you two get together now, it's always really, it's magic. really fun to see. But like it's whenever not you two thought. hang out together, it's always like, oh, look at him there. Yeah, because you went through this this thing together. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. He's a juxtaposition. Ed, I, th- I think Ed and Outro, a big part of why it worked too was Ed's approach because though he was a stand-up and everything, he definitely approaches everything from the point of view of an actor. Mm which I don't think had been done on Prez before that point at CBBC presentation. That's probably true. Yeah. It, it was, CBBC is sort of this weird visual disc jockey job, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes with walking around in games, sometimes with guests coming in this and the other, other times yeah. it's with a person and a puppet. Ed and It has been a presenter team. job, mostly. Oh, yeah. In the history of it, it's been a presenter's job. Yeah. But it, but it's it's the, 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 the style has always lent more to... Like, you could, you could not look at the links on CBBC and listen to it and it kind of has that works, radio yeah. feel. Yeah. Whereas um, for the first it. time when you guys are doing it, it was it was a show. It was a sitcom. Yeah. It was, it's it was a broken up sitcom. It's a creepy, kooky, sketch show, sitcom yeah. vibe because you had things like the the the, the time, like, was it time vortex, time vortex in yep. the cupboard so it would crap out like guests, from, comedy from actors past, playing yeah. characters. And we had like the hamster... Yeah, yeah, the shredder hamster. That wanted to take right, the world. I'm, I'm asking you about this because I've got to get it on record. When you first were introduced to that concept, or yeah. first got to do a link of the hamster and specifically shredder time, yeah. what was your feeling the first time? Because for those who don't know, there was a regular item for Ed and Outcho, and um, we sort of carried it on a bit, and it was Ed and Chris and Chris and Dodge. Yeah. So the hamster lived in a hamster cage. Yeah. And he would run around the wheel, which would then work the shredder. Yeah. So we'd take the kids' artwork that they sent in and shred it. Yeah. It. <laughs> which was, which like, not, which was to do sacrilege. Anymore, the kids sent their artwork into the shredder. Because they This knew. is for the shredder. I want yeah. this to be shredded. They and loved they, seeing their artwork. They shredded. poured time and effort into it all yeah. the while, but they did it because they, they ran knew. out all of their felt tip pens, <laughs> knowing that they, this artwork would be shredded. If they did the best artwork they could do. Yeah. They did that because they knew eventually it would get yeah. picked and get shredded. Look on at television. that Banksy piece of artwork recently. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, is it a Banksy piece that shreds? Well, the, 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 the person bought, they bought it, yeah, yeah, and then it immediately got shredded. It shreds, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Banksy. I wonder if Banksy was inspired by the shredder. He was a fan. <laughs> the first time I did the hamster. Yeah. <laughs> my fi- my my feelings were of absolute fear. Yeah. And dread. Because it was the first English-speaking character I had done. Right, television. that's true, yeah. And and I only, I'd only, I hadn't considered that it would be British. Mm. It was going to be American to me because any puppet that speaks is American. That's true. Because at that and point, all your inspirations were, were very American. much the Muppet and kind of puppets. Dangle. To me, puppets sounded American. The best puppet sounded American. Or, or an, or an American performer doing a British accent, maybe in a pirate themed Muppet film. So, so when it came, came to doing it, I was sat there. It, puppet was up in the air. We were like rehearsing it, and I was like, "Oh no, mm. I hadn't thought about this. I hadn't considered that it's going to be British. I don't know what this guy is going to sound like yeah. for the first time." And then in my ear, I had the gallery, five or six people in there, shouting out what it should be. It should be Irish. No, it should be from Cornwall. Uh, no, no, no! It should definitely be from Glasgow, and I was just thinking, I'm, I've not planned for this. Yeah. I can't do any of those accents. Well, I can't, or, or at least like you hadn't practiced enough to know you could give it a stab. Well, and I wasn't stuff, yeah. confident enough to know to think I could do them and make them funny either. At yeah. that point, I knew that I could do outro. 
and I was confident in doing that, but I wasn't confident enough to say, even to say no. I, I don't think I can do that. Yeah, because at this point you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm the new kid I'm on new the block still, here. Like, new. do do I? Is it a step out of line if yeah. I say I can't so do that? It was that? completely terrifying to me that day. I think I think present day work would go. I've already signed the contract. I'm going to tell <laughs> him I can't do that. Well, I, would, I, just, I just I'm more confident in what I can and can't do. And I would probably say, well, actually, I think someone else is better at doing that than I am. Yeah, so, like if you were like, so oh, you want that? That's not my thing. Not but me, such yeah. a body can do that. But I can and... do all of these things. Yeah. Or I would plan for it. If they wanted to be Irish, fine, I'll go away for a week and I'll come back fully equipped for it to be Irish. Yeah. I didn't know that six people would be shouting out different kind of accents. Do it like Barry White! Do yeah. it like this! He's like, oh yeah. my God, what? I, just did, I, I didn't know there would be that kind of heckling going on <laughs> at such early doors. <laughs> so what made you settle on? Because the hamster from McCrickley had a very sort of like gruff cut me kind yeah. of, well, of draw. What, what, the idea what was, was that, he was, toward that he was murderous, he was going to take over the world. So I thought that's, eventually <laughs> I came up with this is how he would sound. It's like the sort um, of Guy Ritchie gangster kind of approach. Yeah, exactly. like, he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a violent man. Yeah, a very, very, very <laughs> tiny violent creature yeah because that was of course the reveal wasn't it it was all these close up VTs of him like yeah. plotting to destroy everybody and you cut to the wide and he's squeaking it's just this little thing yeah, yeah. so I suppose it was a natural juxtaposition emerged with that one like yeah. talking like this to yeah. sort of but I always loved that that idea <laughs> and that's the, the sitcom thing really of it being there's a hamster over there and he does something and there's something over here that does there was at one point Outro went fishing and he had a worm to fish with but he swallowed the worm do you remember that? I, I'm not familiar with this one, actually. It's a blue worm. I think I've seen the puppet. We had a blue worm puppet. Yeah. And we had the set that we built was the inside of Outro's belly. And it was almost <laughs> like a pumpkin. Imagine the inside of a pumpkin, but green. Oh, that's And there gross. were creepy sound effects and stuff. And he would, this poor one would sing about being so lonely, because that's when that hit was out. Lonely. Oh, Akon, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so there was that character that we Always current. went to. Always current. And um there was a pigeon that lived up in the air conditioning unit. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. There were some others, I think. But that was nice because at, at this point, you, you're essentially a one-man Muppet show. Yeah, it gave me a chance to do all these different characters. They're going, right, we're going to do also, that. I was always like, I did outro and loved it, but I was like, I do want to speak English. Yeah, I do point. want to say some funny lines. I do want to <laughs> try a different voice. I don't, I want. I, I always wanted outro to walk. And like Ed, reveal Ed, that Ed, he had Ed legs just, at would point. just not let me make have him walk. Which is best. It was best that he never walked. I know what you mean. There's, cer- there's certain, there's certain jokes that would be really funny, but it's like, I, I suppose like they open up things too much yeah. almost. And it yeah. was the rules that we had for that setup which made it fantastic, I think. I mean, you could. You probably could have got away with like a, a, a plot where he, he, did he hires once. legs. Or he something. did walk once. Did he? And that was in a, a nightmare <laughs> sequence of Ed's. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so that's even better because like, yeah. real life Ed is going, no, don't do that. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. So it's like, right, well then we'll put it in a nightmare well, often sequence. that would happen. Often arguments we would have or things we, that were going on between the group would end up on television as Ed and Outro setups. So that's brilliant though. Because yeah. that, again, that's that's a level of passion. The, the arguments are starting because you guys are going, no, don't do that. No, we keep this like that. No, that yeah. should be about that. You're very you're driven toward it. So yeah. then instead of it turning into a you know, a slagging off feature of the yeah. fest, it's put into the material yeah, like and those, turned into something. We'd have those... Because it of... is a preposterous argument to have, really. You take a step back from the world of telling yeah. stories you talk, and puppeteering. Talks, why can't he have legs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take that step back and you go, what the hell are we getting riled up over? Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. 
But it, it's again, it's, it's that level of passion. That's Everybody was really the passionate. Thing. They would never attempt this now. And this isn't like a comment on the current CBBC presentation or, or any sort of uh, sort of live presentation thing per se. But I don't think the risk would be taken now to have a character that spoke in a completely made up language. Yeah, no, I don't, it's sure. a big risk. What was great is that they just went straight back to the to eighty five. I think it was mm-hmm. like Gordon, the girlfriend of the duck. Yeah. Like so squeaks went, and sh- squeaks and squawks. Yeah, they took yeah. it all the way back to that. But to have a, a semi-coherent to a non-Cactilian speaker language yeah. is yeah. is bold. I mean, you guys were, you know, you were having full-blown conversations. It, yeah. And it was nice as well because you could grasp words as time went by. Yeah. It was never strictly, Outro says something and Ed has to translate. translate yeah. well, he would just sort of quite often... Res- give the response well it's such clever writing so, yeah. so you, you wouldn't have to translate me he could just um, he could answer me or say you know sometimes it's funny not to translate and just go we can't do that yeah because then it leaves it to the audience to interpret what what the joke is what has he said gives an excuse How for a cheeky glance to camera and yeah, things yeah. like that to, to let lot, the audience fill the gap yeah there were lots yeah. of really clever ways of getting around the fact that he didn't speak English but still getting across what he was saying and like we we I say we I <laughs> it's all me came up with a whole language there and Ed was constantly handing me to write it down and I'd never have written it down I mean for posterity <laughs> I I maybe, maybe once made a list but I'm like it's fine it's in my head and then when we came to do some more recently yeah. I was like oh maybe it's not all in my head <laughs> another big part of that Ed and Outro's style as well is the fact that you guys that you said about treating it as a sitcom you would create that show between the shows mm. which is something that bled into the era when I joined in as well yeah. um, but you guys started it mm. um, what was that like because you, it would be Monday to Friday sometimes would be yeah, an yeah. entire arc yeah so we'd come in in the morning and we'd have a meeting every day for a couple of hours about what that was going to be that yeah. next week or, or however many days or weeks in advance and it would be out shows getting married next week <laughs> because there's a royal wedding or something Yeah. so so on the Monday, he'll decide that he wants to get married. On the Tuesday, he'll meet someone. We'll have a guest in, a, guest, a comedy <laughs> character. On the Wednesday, we'll debate what's best, marriage or fridges. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it was like things like... Big the, debate. Big debate, yeah. On the Thursday, then, there would be some kind of issue would <laughs> happen where it all starts to fall apart. And then on the Friday is the conclusion. It has fallen apart. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> The lady maybe took all of his money or something. I don't know what, what, what happened, you know. So so we had those weeks cut to get that's half an hour a day. Mm. Back in those days, we did half an hour a day of content. So that's like two and a half hours worth. That's, that's a movie. Yeah. Oh God. I mean, you, you could you could arguably with a lot of stuff from that era, you could cut that footage Into together, cut out the loop bit so. if need be, I think and so, yeah. yeah. Which I think is part of the unique appeal of, of the CBBC office era of presentation because a lot of focus, and, and I've, I've been quite vocally, uh, I've vocally complained about this quite a bit, it, it, you get the raison d'etre given to you of like, it's about promoting the shows that are on and I've always said if they want, if a kid wants to know what show's on next, they press the I button on the remote control. Mm. What you need to do is you need to make sure that there's a reason to stick around yeah. I mean, and keep them going. probably went too far. I mean, maybe, but but also you guys were the first of its kind, kind. so, so it, it was it was the testing thing. ground. Yeah. I don't think a viewer looks back at that period and would say like, "Oh, it went a bit far." I think they go, "Oh my god, do you remember when?" Yeah. Oh my god, do you remember? There's some cracking storylines. Oh yeah, I mean, off, off the top of your head, can you think of like any ones that stick out to you as like, "Oh, that, that I'm surprised we did that," or "I'm um, so glad we did that." 
Outro getting pregnant. Yes. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, to be fair. Um, the, I mean, the guest characters we had were brilliant. Queen Victoria, played by Greg Davies. Yes. Oh, God, um, you'd forgotten about that. Because he was on a few times, wasn't he? He played yeah. Guy Fawkes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, Casablanca, played by Merrick Larwood on Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, Outro getting married. There's so many of them. Outro went to Paris. <laughs> there are so many of them uh, we celebrated Ginger Day without Joe's Uncle Frank which is Phil Fletcher and that was the first time Phil had done CBBC yeah was, it, was, that a, was that a did you recommend him on that one like... well, me and Phil had known each other for years we were trying to figure out yesterday how many years and we were saying like it's close to 20 we've known each other a long time before we came to the BBC yeah and then I came first and did Outro and all that stuff and then he came to cover me while I was away doing one of the shows mm. um Excellent Inventions of Transmission Impossible. One of the outro shows. Oh, so what, what cover did he do then? I can't remember which of the shows it was. I think it was the second time we did Excellent oh, Inventions. You mean, oh, you mean like he did his fill-in standing in? To... They, or Ian and Hacker. Oh, came right, you mean to, Ian Hacker. Came, came in to do the in, shift yeah. that Ed and Outro would be doing. Yeah. It would have been um, Excellent Inventions Series 2. Because mm. that was the one that went out when I'd started early 2010. Yeah, and Holly... Walsh and Dunstan the Brain mm-hmm. had covered us while we did Series 1. Yeah. Because, um, of course, like the, the CBC office era kicked off with you guys and it led to um, Holly and Dunstan and uh, Dan and Jeff. Dan and Jeff. Uh, and, and eventually like, Ian and Hacker, of course, then became the, the regular weekday afternoons mm-hmm. by that point. Um, because Ed and Outro branched out into shows and yeah. you know, excellent inventions there was Transmission Impossible. The, the, you, you guys had the stab at live Saturday morning TV. Yeah, often forgotten, but but much beloved. Kind of, again, like it was one of the it was the first in a long time mm. because there hadn't been a Saturday morning show maybe since the Bungalow. Or something. Bungalow, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think around the time you guys did it, they experimented a bit because I think after you guys did your run, that was when they brought back a version of Swap Shop and yeah. things like that. So, the, but but Transmission Impossible was the first go proper go at it since yeah. the Mighty Bungalow closed yeah. its doors in two thousand six. That was a crazy concept because it was Ed Nacho on a blimp flying around the <laughs> just UK, cause, just cause chucking kids off the blimp. Where did you film that? In Pinewood Studios. Pinewood okay. Studio H, I think, which was a little. Old, very old, yeah. narrow, long studio. Have you ever come down there? Uh, I've not been to Studio H. I've been at Pinewood once or twice. It's behind the, it was, it's gone now, I think. It's, it was behind the TV studios, mm-hmm. TV one and two. And they rehearsed for the Little Shop of Horrors in there with a the plan. Yeah. So another, another... Oh, so you already have the history. Oh, right? really, wow, oh. this, is a, this is a kind of a blessed space. So that is a beautiful thing about, again, about people who are passionate about a thing they do, and especially puppeteers, passions like the, the one time I went to do some behind-the-scenes stuff for The Slammer. Dave Chapman, who of course, like Dave Chapman, who we've mentioned before, who's obviously the advert, but in that he was Peter Nocchio, yeah. um, one of his one of his few on, on camera roles with yeah. the CBBC stuff. And he said to me when I was there behind the scenes, he went, "Oh, come over here." I was like, "What is it?" He says, "Have a look at this." And he just put up like this sort of A3 piece on the wall that was a bit of history of the studio that the Slammer was in, and it was like Jabba's Palace oh, from Return of the Jedi and stuff. And he's like, "Look at this." He's like, "That photo's over there." He's just like, "I just thought I'd put it up in case people were interested." Yeah, it was like, yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's you, you, sort of, you sort of forget, don't you? In some respect, it's the workplace, but you How forget much? the history of the place. Is it TV Centre? All the well, TV legendary was stuff. Glorious, happened. like in that to be in that yeah. space, even if it was a converted edited suite. Like yeah, yeah. you're still but, doing I mean, it you're, where those big shows all came from. Like I still, when I talk to some of my American friends and and I say, "Oh, I was at Elstree Studios today," they're like, "Wow, <laughs> you were at Elstree Studios today." Yeah, I'm like yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> 
and Pinewood and, and all those places, they have so much history and all, the, all of our favourite things were made in those places. Now, for the sake of uh, covering my arse a little bit mm. here, because I know that the uh, the hardcore way older than should have been watching Ed and Outcho fandom of 2010 yeah. uh, were a little bit miffed uh, at Outcho's sort of sudden disappearance. Well, he was sort of phasing out almost, wasn't it? Because he, he sent some video messages in from an office because he was working in the CBBC office. Oh, office yeah. was the, the official kind of biography as to why he wasn't around. I don't remember that. Um, and then I came in. Because uh, Ed, Ed and Outro came back to do Christmas 2009. Did, you guys took over. every shift of December, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and that was when I first got to meet you guys. Mm. Uh, I, I'd met um, Phil about a month and a half before when I did my first screen test well I did an audition then I did my second audition which I found out later was actually a screen test for the three people myself included that were there but then I was the only one who got a job from it and I came in early December when I knew I was starting in January to to have a meeting just to sort of meet Ed Mm -hmm. and meet uh, the producer at the time was Chris Maguire meet him and and see the offices and see everything and there was this great bit where they were like do you need to go yet I was like my training's not for three hours so not yet they're like do you want to come to studio and it suddenly hit me like, oh my god, I've I've signed a contract. I've not actually been in the studio environment during anything. I've yeah. just been in there for auditions. And it was one of my favourite little memories of, of that thing was I was sat in during live links. And as we've said, it's a very small room. Mm. Like you you were, that, it was a tiny room. Three feet away from me. I was sat on uh, on like a little sort of, you know, cushion stool either side of whatever central camera would have been, or camera one. And Every time it cut to a close of Ed on camera three, Outcho on purpose, because you knew where I was sat, <laughs> would just look at me and pull a face. <laughs> every time, because obviously I could see the, I could see the monitor, so I could see when he was going to yeah, a close yeah. of Ed, and every time it happened, you would just turn and go, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant, because I was, I was nervous as hell. Like, I was Quite like, right. I'm going to be doing this in a month. Yeah. This is so weird. And we were so... Oh, you guys were in tune, and I, and I was aware of you two. Yeah. When I went in for my first test, and they went, you're going to do screen tests with Hacker the Dog. And I looked at him, and I was like, that's not the cactus. I was really <laughs> confused, because to me, Ed and yeah. Outcho was the CBC, because I was college uni age, but I, that's how much you guys permeated, yeah. and that's how much the office well, it was also all out. like, it was all branded so well. The logo was green, Outcho was green, the desk mm. was green. It was all everything tied in really lovely. It was great, terrible for chroma key, but brilliant. For <laughs> but like, so I I started and I was teamed with Ed. Now I'm sure Ed and I will have discussed this in, in our episode, but the reason for that was due to your availability. You were working mm-hmm. on mongrels well, for BC so, Three. Yeah, when we had cactus characters in the office, mm-hmm. I'd try and choose some of the puppeteers I'd not worked with before. Yeah, but loved watching. Yeah. So Andy Heath was one of the puppeteers who who I asked to come in and... The original he, hacker. He was the original hacker in Scoop 1. And he was busy making puppets for another show while he was doing that. While he was doing Scoop 1. He had a big puppet build job on. And I got him in to do Viva Voom, which was the wedding planner, the cactus wedding planner for yeah. Joe's wedding week. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah, Viva Voom. And while he was there, he said, I've just made these puppets uh, and we've just shot a pilot. Look at this on, on his phone. Yes. Early doors of phones being able to have video on them. Yeah. And it was the Mongrels pilot. I'm sure that's on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. Called We Are Mongrels. And I was just like, I can't believe what's happening in front of my eyes. <laughs> it was just, it was unlike any puppet show that had happened in such a long time. Probably since the Muppets left England. 
Yeah, it, it was it was part of, but also it was it was the tone, like it was very adult, it was like adult. very adult. But for me, it wasn't about that. It was about the visuals. The, yeah, it was such high end. The quality was so production values, and it, the money was just all on screen. The sets yeah. were amazing. The lighting was amazing. The props were amazing. The puppets were amazing. There was no half arsing. It was no like way. if we if we're doing a story based around these animals yeah. in the yard and everything, like we're going to build that yeah. set. We're so going to have them interacting yeah, yeah. with that set. And it was a raised set, which means the set floor starts at about four foot up in the air. It might have been five foot for that. It was really high. And all the puppeteers were stood up. Six foot puppeteers were stood up with their arms in the air and it looked like the puppets were on the floor. It was a house set and a garden and dustbins out the back of a pub. Um, a car was up there. And he gave me a DVD and said, this is the pilot, have a look. He knew mm. he knew me. He knew that I liked what he liked. We have a very same sensibility and the, the stuff we like. He grew up on the Muppets and stuff. So he gave it to me and I went home and watched it four times in a row mm-hmm. and couldn't believe my eyes and just wanted to watch it again and again and again and again yeah and then something happened and they auditioned puppeteers for the series they got commissioned yeah. auditioned puppeteers for the series and I got the part of Marion the Cat yes which makes me very happy because when I found out yeah. that's who you were playing and I watched it I was like oh that's my favourite character <laughs> I couldn't believe it the voice by Dan Tetzel and they made such gorgeous puppets and we had two series of it and it was fantastic and that's the reason I had to go away from Outjo is because such a big puppet show had come up and I couldn't miss the opportunity to do it. And it was it was an odd call for them in a way because they knew that Ed was doing at least another five months. Like that was the, mm. the plan was to have Ed bridge in because yeah. they didn't, I guess it was a mix of things. They didn't know what the likelihood of you two being back in it again was going to be per se, but also there was a new exit producer at the time and that, as happens a lot of telly people want to make their mark. The reason and, why it never continued at Nacho is because there was mm. a new boss. Yeah, yeah, and that was the old thing, and now they went in with a new thing. Yeah, which, which is which is which is time. sometimes a brilliant idea, sometimes a terrible idea. It all depends on circumstances. It's, just the way it's it is. an inevitable thing of television. Yeah. Is, is someone comes feel, along and goes. I don't feel negative about it. I don't feel any way about it. I just feel like that's the way the cookie mm. crumbles. That's what happens. Unfortunately, that cookie crumbled into the shape of me. <laughs> um, because because there was there was a mini sort of online backlash from the older fans of like who the hell is this and why is Outro not yeah. here anymore? Well, I feel like people sense. might have thought that they didn't get enough time with them at an Outro. Maybe, because it was it was, it was on and off in two years on Prez and with a couple shows. Three series. Yeah. It um, doesn't feel like it's a long time, really, for mm. for what it is. Yeah. But well, made its mark. Well, well again, like it, it's Ed Outro is, is akin to sort of um, Philip Schofield and Gordon the Gopher and it, it isn't that long a period of time when you look at it, well, sure packed a lot in. but it packs a lot in and is remembered. Yeah. Like, so well, like well recalled and remembered by people. So when I came in there, it, it was weird. It felt like I had a very big boots to fill is the wrong phrase. It was like, I had like a big plant pot mm. to fill. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh my God, how the hell do I, I fit into this world and in, in response, yeah. you know, in, in a reaction to the outro shaped mm. void that's not here anymore. And I think the guys there made a smart call at the time uh, the, the aforementioned Guy Lambert was around so when it came to the lives he sort of knew what not to try and redo because it wasn't yeah. the same thing and and the team that was there at the time like Chris McGuire and everybody sort of they, they got the idea from the top that it shouldn't be we shouldn't be trying to do Ed and Outro 2.0 but one happens mm-hmm. to be a human yeah. they tuned into Ed's um, sketch show kind of actory approach yeah. And they they were looking for someone who could do that too. Fall into that, yeah, yeah, and because and, I, I came from acting and, and sketch work and stuff yeah. like that, so that, that that's how that worked. Um, I didn't get to meet you too much, obviously, because of of, of Mongols and everything. Away, yeah. 
But then you were cast as another character um, so after within Mongrels. presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so we did Mongrels 1. So Mongrels 2 was the reason why I left, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah, that would have been right, wouldn't it? Yeah, because Mongols would have TXed in 2010. I left it about to. And I think the real reason is the boss changed. Yeah. And wanted something new. Yeah. And which happens, which, you know, like we said. It, yeah, it's fine. It, it sucks, but sometimes it gives birth to cool new well, things. It, it, let, it let you in, so. Yeah, well, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think I think I think the cool new thing was, was Ian and Hacker, to be honest. Um, Ian and Hacker had been there a while, and they were just getting established. And so I came back and did Dodge. Yes. Dodge T Dodge. Mongols had finished. Dodge the yeah. Dog who will, as of March 2020, have been on air for 10 years. 10 years. Which is crazy. It's such a crazy thought. And, and still six and, and a half years and old. what I always wanted, actually. <laughs> I always wanted a character that had been around for a long time. Yeah. That was always one of my dreams, to have a character that had just been around, mm. just had soaked up the life, had met people, knows people, people know him. And I'd always dreamed of having that. So I It sort so, of naturally develops as well so as a result of that. If it changes, yeah. yeah. I feel so lucky to have had that. But so when I came back, Ian and Hacker, Ian and Phil mm-hmm. were in full swing. Now I'd known Phil for many years before this, mm-hmm. and we had messed around and stuff. But we never really worked with each other. So then I get plonked into the world of Ian and Hacker. Now I'm the newbie. Yeah, which which is an odd thing because like that. And I, but they, I've been there the longest. <laughs> yeah, like you you were the veteran at this point of that yeah. world and telling them, but it wasn't. They didn't know, but it wasn't your things. world anymore. It was, it was their, their world. world. Yeah. I, so I'm falling in. So I come from a tightly scripted Ed and Out show where everything's planned to the T, and we know what's going to happen, and and this is happening because of this, and you say this, and I say that, and because Ed has to translate Out show, I have to I have to be saying this sentence so Ed can translate yeah. the sentence, and then go into the world of. In a hacker, where it's off the cuff. Yeah, like it sort of started. Improv. It started in the same structure. Yeah, but then over time, as it always should be, like they play more their to the strengths of, the, of their the personality presenters. Yeah, Ed and I want something to be clean cut and professional. And if it looks like it's falling apart, it's it's intentional. Yeah. Uh, whereas they like things to be so free and easy, and they're just going to improv it, and they're just going to do this and that, and I will see what happens. So I fall into that, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I can't work like this. This I, is so strange. I need rules. I need, uh, I need <laughs> you don't stick to the script. I, I have to say this, so you need to say that. And Ian and Phil are like, well, we might, we might not, probably won't say that. And I'm like, but what, where do I stand in all of this? So then I had to learn from them how to do that. Yeah. Up until that point, I, had not, I did not have those skills and Phil had years of the cabaret circuit and Ian was a stand-up comedian. So they were great at doing that. And I was completely in deep water. I just, yeah. I kind of didn't. I knew my place, but I didn't know how to deal with it. You definitely adapted to it, though. You have to. You definitely grew into sink it. or swim. Do you think it helped though um, after that initial? Because you originally as Dodge were live for like a month and a half, two months mm. with Ian. Yeah. Um, and then the Chris and Dodge era started. Yeah. Which I think was like. So I probably had my way for a bit with Ian. Yeah, like of keeping the lid on things, and keeping yeah. it all under control. But then when Phil comes into it, yeah. When Phil ever came back from Hacker Time, I suppose. I was a uh, Scoop Series 2. Scoop. Yeah. Um, that's when I was like, whoa, this is a new thing to me. Yeah, this is so like oddball and strange. And you and I have a similar way of working, so... Yeah, well, I, th- I think, again, because I'd, I'd come from... I think it helped that I'd come from the Ed and Outcho school of structure because of working with Ed and being yeah. part of that system. So when, by the time we came together, um, I think when we first started, it was a bit shaky in terms of the material mm. but by that first live summer we did together the team that were on it were consistent in the tone yeah. and 
the script and items sort of played to our strengths a lot more. Yeah. I remember there was, there was a lot of recurring odd skits that um, uh, Danny Jackson had written. Mm. There was quite a lot of odd recurring skits that he did in that first summer that suited us so well because they yeah. did require those like block filming things of right we'll get you two over here to film some stuff for a bit and yeah. we're going to play one of them out a week and, yes exactly and, and weird recurring items like breakfast time with dodge yeah like every nice every do. morning we would Chat sing a song yeah. about um we'd sing a song about what we're gonna have for breakfast we'd realize that you'd not bought it or you'd eaten it already so then we'd go to get more by me flying on dodge's back i never liked the dodge could fly they, were, they, they had that dodge to fly because he had big ears I never right. liked it well I remember the time you said that and then I, Danny responded to that by in the very last week I said to him like wait a minute you can fly and Dodge was like no what are you talking about <laughs> don't acknowledge it which was like oh well here's Tracy Baker yeah. and it was just this this I whole <laughs> I, I had a weird soft spot for it just because I loved the fact we were pastiching never ending story yeah. in the visual for no reason well, had somebody told me that I'd have been in <laughs> He'd be like, wait, I'm Falcor. Yeah. yeah. I'll be Falcor. Actually... It also gave birth to my, one of my, well, one of my favourite Dodge moments ever, which is on like the week five of this recurring Monday to Friday first yeah. gag. I'm like, come on, let's uh, go to the world adventure or whatever. And you go, yay. And he just cuts a close up of Dodge. And he just turned to the camera, sighed really sadly and went, oh, he's so heavy. <laughs> to the wide as we go off to well, Dodge fly. is a very little doggy he's, a, he's not got a very strong spine he's only small in what a I way. remembered while we were talking about that is that actually the first time I came back to do Ian and Hacker stuff I came back as a record producer on, All a, right. on a day rare day off from Mongrels I came back and did yes that's true and was a yeah. and he was a big time record producer he was going to make them famous yeah with their chair rap I think it was chair yes, goes up chair yeah. goes down chair goes round and around or something yeah and uh, so I did that. And then I did Hacker's mum. Hacker and Dodge's mum now. Of course. You were the originator of that so role. I did her before I did Dodge. I did her way over 10 years ago. Mm. She still she, How is she still alive? We just did Pointless. And we took her to Pointless. And she was in the audience at Pointless. Oh my God, really? Hacker, right. Hacker and Dodge on Pointless. Who play, did you play her for, the, for that appearance? And I did the voice for her. Right. Okay. Because a third puppeteer called Lewis had to do the puppetry. Right. Because Phil and I were Hacker and Dodge. In the thing, in the right. Show, in the show. That so makes I, sense. I threw the voice, he performed to the voice. Because I, I, <laughs> without getting too crass, Mrs. Hacker is the is the bike of the cast. <laughs> like, well, so not, many people have played I don't know how that Mrs. Happens. Hacker. With puppets, you all, people, one performer <laughs> does one puppet character, right? That's yeah. the rules. Somehow, along the line, along the way, because Phil and I have it was, come and gone. It's probably availability busy, and things like that, yeah. And she's not Hacker. Only ever since Phil took over Hacker, he's been the only puppeteer to do Hacker. Mm. Unless I've had to do it through him, his pre-recorded track. Yeah. The same with Dodge. <laughs> I'm the only puppeteer to ever do Dodge. Yeah. Unless I can't be there and it's a song or something. So I'll do the, the voice track and then Phil will puppeteer to the voice track. Mm. No one else has ever done those. No one else ever will do those. Yeah. They once threatened that other people would do them. And we said, good luck. And of course you can't do that. For real? Near us, yeah. Was it like a contract negotiation or something? I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but... That's so strange when people get use that as a as a weeing contest. They sort of go like, "Well, we'll just get someone." It's like, "Yeah, good luck." So, like, we, good luck with and that. They tried. You just, it, so it was evident you can't do that because they're us. Yeah. And so, but with the mum, 
I don't know. So I wasn't there, so someone else did it. Phil wasn't there, so someone else did it. Do you and think she has been passed around? Do you it? think it's because she's a she's a tertiary character? Like she's not yes. a regular. You never get away with guest character. character. Yeah. Um, she's. I mean, well, she's rarely seen. So. Which I think. So so who 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 played her or, or puppeteered for her at Pointless? What was puppeteer called Lewis. Lewis. There was Lewis in there. You've been a Phil's yeah. been a Neil Sterenberg. Neil Sterenberg yeah. has Wilson been a definitely. What Matt Wilson has performed Dave at some point. Performed it at one point. <laughs> So she's, you know, I'm sure if, if she gets a series at some point, you're all going to have to go to war. Yeah, I'm sure Helena or Kat Smee have performed her on Hacker Time at one point. <laughs> yeah. But I originated her. You did. It's true. I and like she to, originated... I like to think that my version you, is the is the, the version that... Yours is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Because... Well, um, I based it on Hacker at that point. Yeah. But also because, you know, like, you're related. Mm. Um, so let's just chart the personal history for those keeping score at home. Uh, Hacker and Dodger Brothers Hacker is the older brother he's six the half brothers oh the half brothers they have different oh that's dads. right they have different mum and different dads yeah. but Mrs Hacker is still their mum she's both of their mums she's both their mums even though they have different mums and different dads it's not worth trying to go into it Hacker's six and he's the older brother Dodger's the younger brother and he's six and a half yes these are the rules we stick <laughs> they to they grew up together so Dodger's thing. never left Dodger pre the CBC office never left Hackney Hacker pre the CBC office never left uh, Hindley yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> It's like what? And hackers, what? Uh, what kind of dog is he? Uh, he's I can't remember now, but the, the cocker two spaniel or something. <laughs> Cocker's Dodge cocker spaniel. Yeah, Dodges a mongrel. Well, we didn't ever say it would make sense. But that, that was that was the beauty of it. I remember we did that. But we did stick to those those nonsense rules. We stick to them. Do you? I explicitly remember we did that event in Glasgow once, the where it was like a tenth anniversary of the channel, and we did like it was you, me, Ian, and Phil did like a mini sort of. I guess it was a, it was almost a mini convention almost, yeah. wasn't it? At the, the BBC Studios in, in Glasgow. Um, and we did a Q&A session. We were meant to do them scattered. And we all just went, no, sod it. Let's just, like, we're all scheduled at different times. Let's just all go and do the same them, yeah. Q&A. And you get kids asking those questions because yeah. they wanted to know. Wanted to know yeah. And we'd muddle up the history and, and make like it. to confuse them a bit. Yeah. But we confuse them with the answers, but we are <laughs> consistent with the answers. Yeah, oh yeah. On so brand. It's constant confusion, which is always good. I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And we're the hosts of The Big Damn Cast, a weekly pop culture podcast full of nerdy news and geeky gossip, available every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But that's not all. <laughs> that's right, Chris. Why are you laughing? We're expanding to create regular video content, and we need your support. To get access to Big Damn exclusives, including our Discord server and video commentaries, head over to patreon.com forward slash bigdamncast and support us for as little as $1 a month. We're grateful for any support you can give us. So grateful, we may even reveal the location of the antidote. Chris, just, just stop. Amuse your friends. Startle your enemies. Listen to the synth-pop magic of the Pound Shop Boys. Includes your favourites. Fireman Sam Jamie and the Magic Torch Shop Boys Nostalgia. It's the ideal Christmas gift. Only £8 plus postage on compact disc. Digital download available too. The Northwest's premier synth duo. 
Great value. Great fun. Great quality. Now, Dodge lives on to this very day, sir. Even though the CBBC presentation changes and shifts and, and shapes and yeah. different stuff goes And I get confused about this. And I think you told me that Dodge came around on March the 3rd, 2010. Yes, it was. It was. It was definitely March 2010 or March 30th. 2010. And I think it might be probably March 30th because it would have been March. after that. It would have been after the February half term a little bit. So you know these things. And it will have been. Um, he appeared a couple times with Ian and Hacker before he then well, took I, over. I do know that Dodge's Dodge was delivered in a cardboard box. Yes, he was. In the CBBC office. I remember that link distinctly because I was in the office watching it, and going and like, "Oh wow, look at him! It's so cute. One, yeah. Look at his big chunky like, face. It's like gremlins are all over the place." <laughs> And then he said, he, they opened up the box and he went, all right, bruv, <laughs> in that Phil Mitchell-esque way but that we all know and love him for. <laughs> but that's the thing that you said before, this natural progression and evolution of the characters. And, and Dodge has found, he's found his personality and he's found his voice so much, again, through all odds, because like you, you joke and say, no, there's another one. Mm. Like, it, it seems like an odd choice to do another dog yeah, that's when there's one going on. But I think you and Phil, the way you play off each other, and again, your different approaches to how you play characters, yeah, what's important made them feel more say, organic. It didn't just feel like another hacker. Yeah, well, I was always very cognizant of it not being Hacker 2. Mm-hmm. It can't. It looks like him, apart from the big ears, so it can't. It can't be from Wigan. It can't be the. It can't do all the things that he likes to do. Yeah. And the hard thing for me was he had just taken up all the traits that you would naturally go towards. Yeah. Like all the doggy things. So. You know, like, what as a puppeteer, you, you, okay, so it's a dog character, so your first, it's easy because you've got bones and you've got walkies and you've got all these things. Yeah. You've just got all the things that you would naturally gravitate towards as a, as, as your toolbox, mm-hmm. as the, as the, the jumping point. Oh, phys- physically, again, like, just Dodge would jump more into dog traits yeah. as well. Like, there was because a lot, there was a lot really more snuffling, there was yeah. a lot more... And sniffing and stuff. So, yeah. but you've got those things, so then you can build off of that, but... We had the waggy tail as well, didn't you? Waggy tail, yeah. yeah but, but because yeah. Hacker had come before me, he'd already used up all those things. And for me, that would have just been me rehashing everything he'd done. So it was hard uh, for me. Oh I yeah, think, yeah. It's, it's it's to make that original. And it, like you said, it was against all odds because I kept going up against things. There was every risk of it being a, a like to coin a Simpsons like turn of phrase. There was every risk of it being a poochy situation yeah. of. And here's another cool guy who's also one of these. And I was always so aware of it being that. I'm not anymore because. It's been ten years, so. But I think again, also like the double act stuff and the the different partnerships over the years. Like obviously, to a big generation of, of kids, like so, some of the some of the younger listeners of this podcast and and or their younger siblings or their kids, uh, Katie and Dodge is mm. the Dodge era to them because yeah. you guys were double act for like what three years, near enough, like so mm, 20, 2013 more, yeah. to twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. No, Katie joined in January twenty thirteen. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> They all blend into one. It was a very important double act to, to, for me and for Dodge. Mm-hmm. The same as you and Dodge. Yeah, were an important double act for me. That was a very important. That was like a whole period of growth. Yeah, because because you, you, know, you and I had been in that odd position at that point of being put in so many different pairings. pairings and yeah. every now and again we would gravitate back towards each other and we would get a slot. Together and when you and get that to, when really you get well. together yeah. with someone who you are good with, you, your character grows and you find mm-hmm. out about yourself and your character yeah that's how you develop a character so with you and with Katie it were big periods of growth for Dodge for me and I think I it probably was at that point with Katie where I relaxed and was like okay I know what this is yeah and that's five or six years in <clears throat> yeah that's but like that's I, a long time in I think it is I think it's a bad sign if it's 
always entirely comfortable. Yeah. There always has to be some element of, oh, I've not done that before. Yeah, and I'm always trying to do new things. Because it keeps you aware of what you're capable of and what the character can do yeah. and what, what the character's capable of. I mean, but that's what, like, I think from that point on, he, was, he is the same character as he is now. Mm. But before that, he was always evolving. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely a gentler soul than the, the Dodge that very first oh, appeared. Yeah. But as a result, that, that has made his... That, that's made the things he can do and the, the range that he can play in... Mm. Um, so much broader as a result yeah. which is why I think it's such a natural comfortable fit that he is of course now one of the faces of the CBeebies well, franchise the CBeebies channel CBeebies house pet because yeah. again like, that's not something that they, they, they toyed for a long time about having a regular puppet character well I w- I've been and pitching for years you, you, you've a... been them BB Bunny I dwell up. Was, it, was a character who was around for quite I some time in and out pitched a cat yeah. for that channel years ago and then pitched BB Bunny and BB Bunny made it in and was on for a while. And then, I don't know, eventually that stopped and then Dodge came in. Mm-hmm. But I think that works because it, it, CBBC had changed to the point where it wasn't quite the same world anymore. But mm-hmm. there were familiar elements like hackers. So I think it, it worked so well in the older brother, younger brother thing of being yeah. like, these guys have their own home. And it means that yeah. when you guys do cross over now, it's quite special. It's, it's like, perfect. oh, look, it's Hacker and Dodge exactly. together They again. actually have the perfect place to be now. They yeah. Dodge fits in perfectly in CBBs. Yeah. Hacker fits in perfectly in CBBC. But before all that happened, we did have a mini-series mm. called Bark Stage at The Voice UK. <laughs> oh, yes. Hacker yeah. and Dodge, Bark Stage, Backstage at The Voice UK, <laughs> where they had free reign. Free reign? Free run? Both. <laughs> all. One of those things. Where they were let loose on yeah. the, vo- the show The Voice with Rita Ora and Tom Jones and Will I Am and uh, Ricky Ricky from Kaiser Chiefs thingy yeah Ricky Wilson uh, yes I think and Emma I don't think Willis. I ever watched the show I only ever watched some of your backstage yeah. stuff Emma Willis <laughs> and uh, little Kel was doing some of the band scene stuff Kel wasn't around there yet. oh this was before the ITV the presenters before were the ITV switch yeah Emma Willis and Rochelle Hume's husband uh, that fella <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but I mean more excitingly Tom Jones and Will I Am yeah Aura, who we kind of like became familiar with because we were around them all the time and, and Ricky I, I, and Ricky was brilliant with the puppets yeah it was fantastic with the puppets I bought into it and we we just spent all that time of that series around the voice which was crazy and it was his own little mini spin-off so we love that the end <laughs> Now we mustn't forget because it may be a brief part in Brez history, um, but you've got you've had three CBBC puppet characters under your belt in terms of the pres- presentation mascot character. Three that were my own. Three that you were that were your that were your yeah. bag. But I also did Gordon the Gopher. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so you, For... I think you've heard the first episode, so sorry. I'd fill in. <laughs> oh, you did, yeah, you did it for a thing. Now, to be fair, it's for a still image. You did it. I, yeah, I remember. No, but I did it for the first. And I was I was the only other person in the building at the fine. time. But you were you were under Phil's watchful eye, so it's fine. But I did. So cool. Yeah, I went back to the office. Him. I was like, I don't. Know if I, I think I should tell Warwick that I just did that. No, they were like, why? And I was like, kind of needed permission from Paul Smith, who was the originator. Really, he gave me permission to do it, and I did it for the 25th anniversary. You did, of course. Yeah, you've done it for this morning, and I did it on this morning. Yeah. And I did him for the 30th anniversary with Philip Schofield. But in terms of your babies... You, yeah, my characters. You've been Dodge the Dog, you've been Outro of the Characters, and you have been Blinkbot. Blinkbot 3000. Whose who's time on Prez was shorter, and I think that was more... He was more a victim of circumstance due to the changing genre at Prez at the time. Yeah. 
um, amongst well, he, other stuff. But he was unique in the sense that he was a co-creation with the audience, right? Like yeah, the audience they, informed yes. who he would be. Yeah, they sent in drawings of what they wanted. And then we chose elements of each of the designs. Not each of the designs, because there were hundreds, probably <laughs> thousands. But they, kind of, they got whittled down. We've combined these 400 yeah. in that they're all a robot. Yeah. So he's a robot. No, <laughs> they, like the production team whittled them down to a select few, mm. quite a few. And then we all had a big old meeting and we kind of chose all the favourite parts. And then Neil Sterenberg made the puppet and used all those design elements in the final piece. And we did it for, it was a, like a stunt week. Is what we call it, Robot Week. Yeah, it was, it was a big event culminating in um, the Doctor. His name was the Doctor was Who. Born time. out of the TARDIS. Yeah, the robot was born out of the TARDIS. And so then, uh, CBBC's canon with Doctor Who, folks. CBBC office is yeah. real. Hacker went down to visit, I think, and then Hacker and Groom went to visit, and and it, the TARDIS went, got a bit smoky and yeah. made all these noises and stuff. And, you were on set for that as well, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, you, yeah. you emerged on set in the yeah, in the thing. That's a cool set from what I've heard. That's the, that's the only set. modern TARDIS I haven't been able to visit yeah, as we of yet. Went, we went to Cardiff and shot for the day. It was very cool. Really cool. Um, and he was around for Robot Week. And then he was kind of around for a bit after that. But soon after, I went to Sesame Street. So, uh, big question on this one. Because we talked about like what young Warwick, how he would respond to know the sort of jobs yeah. you get to do. But uh, more important than that, how do you get to Sesame Street? How do I get to Sesame Street? Yeah, just you. This <laughs> like, is how, I don't know the general direction. This is how I got to Sesame Street. <laughs> you won't expect this answer. I was a background puppeteer on the Furchester Hotel for the first yes. series. Which was a CBB's Sesame um, Street co-production. It's basically 40 Towers with the Muppets. Yeah. A and and it's some of the regular Sesame cast appear in it. Yeah. Like um, Cookie Monster appears in it, Elmo appeared in yeah. it. With um, Elmo's aunt, Vanilla. Yeah who has a husband and a daughter who live and work at the hotel. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole hotel full of monsters and animals and there's guest characters each week. So I would do the guest characters. Each episode there'd be a different guest and I'd be some of those characters. Mm. There was a little monster that would hit the gong to signify it's now tea time. And when I first saw that puppet in the rehearsal sessions, I was like, wow, that looks like a Muppet from the 60s that Jim Henson would have done. I want to do that one. But somebody had already had dibs on it. Yeah, So, so he did it. And it just hit the gong to signify tea time. Three seconds per episode. That was it. Uh, In the second block of filming, and I don't know how these break up into seasons and stuff, but in the second block of filming, we, I did, I got the opportunity to be that character and I developed it up as it it was a chef this time. So he he was in the kitchen with Cookie Monster. Yeah. He still hit the gong, but he was a more, he was a chef and he's quite cantankerous as all my characters are. (laughs) They're all therapy. It just happened to be that when David Rudman, who performs Cookie Monster, was in town doing Cookie Monster, everybody would laugh at what Gonga and Cookie Monster would get up to. Mm. And as soon as you get that, you kind of get confident and you think, oh, we're onto something here. Yeah. And they were always just hilarious together. There's one's very small, one's very big, you know, they can't, they, they're quite mad. I don't know, I don't know what it was. And we just worked well together. So I thought, this, this show's got to end soon. And that means what's happening between us has got to end soon yeah so you're like no so I started working it up I started working the idea up with the help of the exec producer Carolyn Parente and Ryan Dillon who's Elmo and Dave Rubman and uh, and Andy Heath was there and Neil Sterenberg and Louise Gold and all these people all these puppeteers were kind of on board with it yeah they'd do anything they could to help me they, they could see that spark yeah you guys would put something out into the yeah. universe so and everyone was a, like ah yeah. so I wrote a treatment up and I wrote a pilot and we shot it on iPhones just mm. outside Media City in one of the food trucks. 
and I eventually sold that to Sesame Workshop and it became part of Sesame Street, a five-minute segment within Sesame Street. Cookie Monster and Gonga are working in a food truck that drives up onto Sesame Street and they're making food for kids. Yeah. That's how I got to Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Can you You tell me how to get... You you create an iPhone pilot. No, no, you could just take the A train. But But don't. This this way is much more interesting. You are um, three seasons deep already as, as a... As a regular cast member on Sesame Street, playing Gonga. I suppose so, yeah. We just did the 50th anniversary special, which is another dream come true for me. And that that's like, I just, we, we talk about the rainbow connection. Kermit sings about the rainbow connection. Yeah. And I, and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm over the rainbow. I, I've stepped over the rainbow. And like, we had, I had tears streaming down my face. I'm not surprised. I mean. It's such an achievement for me to have a character <laughs> and for him to be part of one of those nostalgic specials which I've always loved. I've always loved the anniversary specials. It's one of my favourite things we did at CBBC was the 30th anniversary special. It's mm. still one of my favourite things of it, all time. It's so rare when the things you kind of love and are invested in go, celebrate let's it. celebrate ourselves yeah. and, and sort of yeah, and show off it. what we've achieved. Yeah, so to be there with like... All On the 50th. 50th anniversary with all the Muppets I love and the performers are so brilliant and the, and the human cast of Sesame Street from, the, from day one. And uh, like one of the camera guys is still there from day one. The celebrities, the amazing celebrity guests. Who's the, who's who's the the one you met where you were like, oh my god, I can't quite believe Patty Labelle. Who I don't know if many people in England know who this is. But she is a soul singer. <laughs> yes, from the seventies. She's famous for Voulez Vous Coucher et Moi. Mm. That's Patty Labelle and the Bluebells. And I could not believe it. <laughs> and I I still can't believe it. And we were sat there, and I said to Ryan, who's Elmo, I'm going to go over there and sing with Patty Labelle. And he was like, what? And I said, well, this is, this won't happen again. She's like, I'm not going to get this chance so again. So I got up and Ryan got up and we walked over there and we sang New Attitude with Patty LaBelle because that's never going to happen to us again. <laughs> and that's one of the highlights of my entire life. That's not in the show. No, no, that's this between was just, takes. This was just going. Yeah, so don't expect to I'm see here. that in the special. That was just between <laughs> takes and something that I had to do in my lifetime. What do you think about the fact that you're doing that now? You're playing Gonga, who, who is... In the show, the the food truck is its own separate thing as well. Mm-hmm. Got Furchester incarnation. Your character's popping up in in uh, Florida and Orlando and the theme parks yeah, now. There's the walk arounds in SeaWorld and oh hold on no, there's a walk around in Sesame Place, which is the Sesame Street theme park. Yeah, and there's another one in the live tour. Yeah, yeah. and there's SeaWorld as you guys got their own Sesame Branch they have, stuff. And, they have, and, SeaWorld has a Sesame Street and they have uh, toys for sale there as plush dolls and stuff. So you've got this character's out in the ether. Who is who is yours? He kind of exists without me now as well because of those live versions that are running around. Yeah, but, but like it, it, he, what he has become and what he's become as part of that show is down to you. Yeah, it means a hell of a lot. I'm going. Time. Oh my god, we've got something. Like let's pour some time and effort into mm-hmm. this. And and again, just your love of performing and everything. Does it strike you that out there somewhere right now amongst Sesame's audience is some other four year old? Oh, I hope so. Who's yeah. watching that and going, God, I love Gonga. Mum, buy me a Gonga. Well, I want to do that. Yes. I well, want to so do that. The second part. I hope, I hope somebody's out there is watching it and saying, I want to do that. And and like a kid said to a British kid said to me recently, I um, want to do this when I grow up or I'd like to be working like you are. And I was like, I want you to do that too. Fingers crossed. I really want, I want those kids to do it because you can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it <laughs> if you from where I come from and the background and stuff if I can make this happen anybody can make it happen 
<laughs> I want to end it there, but we've got questions <laughs> which you're committed to asking. I'm going to cry if you keep talking like this. You're going to make me weep, sir, with your so warmth sorry. and your wisdom. I don't have any tissues around. That's fine. I'll just, I'll just use Dodge, <laughs> who might be here, maybe. I don't know. Can't possibly say. Um, are you doing all right over there, mate, by the way? Yeah! <laughs> Can you get your drink or anything? No. No, you're good. You're good. I'm fine. Okay. You have a nap. I'll speak to you in a bit, yeah? Thanks, Chris. No worries. Aw. It's much more pleasant nowadays. He used to threaten to break my knees. Right, I'm going to be okay. quiet now. Okay. Be nice and quiet, yeah? Well, ask Warwick questions. Okay, bye. Okay. Yeah, he's good. Okay. So, uh, this first one is from Rainbow Sky. Hello, Rainbow Sky. Uh, this feels like Prez, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All the names like that. This first one's from... I've I'm... never had to answer questions before. Oh, no pressure. Um, Rainbow Sky says, How do you come up with the ideas for your puppet's personalities? So we'll take, uh, let's take Blinkbot, for example. And obviously it was sort of created by committee in a sense, but yeah. that character doesn't have a personality until you put him on and start yeah. delivering something. Where did that sort Well, the of hardship from? for me in that character is he doesn't have a heart. Oh, like the Tin Man. Which is true for me. He doesn't, he's not a living thing. So oh. to get into it is much harder for me because my characters are quite soulful, I think. They're, they're soft, they do have a heart, they have feelings. And so to, to do a robot is... It's quite a challenge, but even there, like that's you've you've just immediately given a technique away. You looked at him and you went like, right, well, he's not human. He doesn't yeah. have he doesn't have a heart. And then you've taken that to heart and gone, so he doesn't process things the same way we do. Yeah, it's so kind it's of colder, blunt. and yeah. So th- again, like they, so, there's so the visuals. Yeah, the visuals tell you very early on, and then um, we like you know you work with the production team, the writers, and and their joke on their take on it was that he would talk in like computer terms and binary things so he was mm-hmm. like uh, so you could plug your you could plug a memory stick in and he could read your mind or something yeah you know what about with um, say Oucho specifically cause... so Oucho when I, when I looked at him I thought well he look at that eyebrow he's going to be angry yeah <laughs> and, and then you think about like we That's discussed true. earlier about his, the limits of being a, a plant in a pot he can't walk and that must be infuriating it must be so frustrating not to be able to just bounce along somewhere and do what you want to do you're being taken around by a man. I mean, I don't want to go left. I want to go right. Why are you taking me left? You know. So, and he loves bananas, but he can't get to them. So that's annoying because he just can't do what he needs to do. He, he wants also, them, but he can't reach them. He loves Dolly Parton. He can manage to probably put a Dolly Parton wig on and produce a guitar to play nine to five. I don't know how he manages to do that. Willpower. So I don't know. Yeah, the look of the the design of the puppet initially, and then you kind of. You play with it. It's all about play and, and interacting with people. That's how you really find out who the character is. The Awesomest. Hello. Two questions. Cheating, but I'll allow it because they're lovely. One, who do you prefer more, Dodge or Outcho? That's a hard question. Mm. Prefer for how what How do you reason? choose between your furry children? Your like, children. You know? but prefer for what reason? I love Dodge because he is kind of just me these days. Just he's a, a sci-fi. heightened version of me, yeah. Yeah. Where I love Outcho because he's... He's funny. Uh, I mean, Dodge is funny. It's hard to it's hard to choose. I like him for different reasons. I like Outro because I think he's purely for comedy. He's purely there for comedic reasons. Mm-hmm. But Dodge, I love because he exists in the real world and he can interact. And you can drop Dodge into any situation you need to drop him into, and he will survive. Yeah, he'll handle it well because he's been around for so long. So Outro is sort of more your animal. And um, yeah, and and dodges more your Kermit, <laughs> yeah. which is ironic because, as we all know, Outcho is a frog in a bucket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> often mistaken for a frog in a bucket. 
Uh, they also ask, uh, we all know that sometime around 2016, Dodge made the move into CBBS. Uh, why was that decision made? Um, which we've talked about a little bit, but like, uh, was it easy getting used to it? It was the best decision for Dodge, actually. Ian France uh, made that decision to put Dodge into CBBS. And, I mean, I didn't know it, but that's what he needed. Mm. That's what Dodge needed to do. Because he was always in Hacker's shadow, and I was always trying to not be Hacker. Mm. Uh, so, for a long time. And then when we got to CBeebies, the, I mean, I, the variety of everything. We sing songs every day, we do comedy sketches, we do all these different kinds of things. Some of my favourite moments at work now are when we're in there singing the song. And I just feel like a pop star. I get to go to work and most days sing songs. Like I just feel like a, I'm a Spice Girl. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one dream you've always, always wanted to achieve that you hadn't quite made yet, and yeah, now you've done it. Another dream that not many people know about. <laughs> <laughs> alright how about Little Mix is that better no I'll take Spice Girl there's an opening in Spice Girls to I be know. fair there's, a, there's an opening I'm not posh enough well I don't know you can put on a voice be fine put on a voice stare all the time like looking like you're really bored but honestly I do I just I count my lucky stars I just can't believe how lucky I am to be able to go to work and do that and sing with those guys and they're great singers and we have amazing songs written for us did the transition to BB's um feel smoother do you think in terms of just like the, the tone the, the, the mindset you approach the, the audience I had with. to change the tone did, did you do you think it was an easier switch because like between Outcho and Dodge now mm. you became a dad so like you're more aware of Possibly, that yeah. well I enjoyed it much more because because I was entertaining the audience I knew the audience mm. so I enjoyed that uh, but there was because it's, it's a disconnect people don't really think about with presentations you don't really get to get that feedback you don't really know what the audience yeah. reaction is to it. Yeah. Whereas you, I suppose, you, you, you observe the audience reaction. Yeah. yeah. Like, I never on, kind of you know what was working. I never you, you, doubted, could look, you could look down and be like, yeah, I never yeah, doubted. It. I never doubted that it wouldn't work. Mm. I don't know. I mean, that's confidence I've built up over the years. I didn't doubt that I thought it would work. But I was reluctant to change the tone of Dodge mm. for a while. Yeah. And it was inevitable. I had to change the tone. It couldn't, you couldn't be as edgy as you are in CBBC. And it slowly did change, and I think that was just me coming to terms with this is what the this is what it needs to be now. I mean, there's a there's a sort of a hidden edginess to the CBB's content that I yeah. think gives you guys the excuse you, the excuse to let that out a bit, usually through the parodies and things well, like actually, that. What they all said is, is it's great having Dodge in here because he can bring that edge mm. that they couldn't have before. Yeah, he could get a bit saccharine, and now that he's here, he can kind of roll his eyes, and they're not allowed to do that. Yeah, the, the presenters are sort of like they, they have to fit into sacred. a certain box yeah. of, of things that they're allowed to do. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to see them do. doing that; it's out of character. It doesn't feel right. But you kind of the, the puppet does get away with that kind of thing. Chris Wood has asked uh, same question as they asked Katie, and I think it's a pretty fun question. I do want to ask you about this one because I've, I've got a feeling I know what you're going to bring up. <laughs> um, it must be difficult keeping everything child friendly and suitable for broadcast. Sometimes, what's the closest you've come to saying or doing something that would get you fired on air for appropriate inappropriate behaviour? And did you get in trouble? Well, so you're a, you're a good boy. Like I'm, you, I'm you don't you I'm don't go good... in with the 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 the, the mindset of the wanting to is, cause a ruckus. You're you're at work. Yeah, there's no getting away from it. You're at work. And yeah. You want to do a good job whilst you're at work. So, so you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't poke the bear. You wouldn't. Yeah, because some have because of discipline and <laughs> yeah. respect. Some have. Yeah, some do. But we. I mean, there are jokes that 
that are not appropriate for television that happen. Mm. We're all adults. On the cuff, we just sort of yeah. go, oh. And, you, oh, say, and you say things sometimes. As a puppeteer anyway, with a puppet character, I find that you say things sometimes and you then you then you think, or oh, you say, I can't believe I just said that. And then you'll instantly say, well, it wasn't me, it was the puppet. Yeah. <laughs> Which does work 90% of the time. Which kind of works. You get away with it. It won't now that this is out there. But yeah, I don't Trade think, secret. I mean, I had a slip a couple of times where I said things I shouldn't have. But nothing awful. Oh, it's uh, it's more getting things wrong is the is the issue. That, uh, it's a curse of the live environment yeah, as it's well more as like the if, if something slips and then and then thinking, oh, we can't stop and do that again. Just carry on. Yeah, pretend it didn't happen. Just say it again. There was one point where I was on a dodge and with Dick and Dom, and I think mm. Dodge did a week with Dick and Dom. And I think that was a turning Dick Dom point. and Dodge. Yeah, that yeah, was a turning point for Dodge's character actually. When we did that whole week, um, and we went live. And I was saying, uh, Rich, 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 Rich. And he just wasn't paying any attention. And I said, Rich. And I'm like, why is he ignoring me? I'm like, oh no, because that's not his on-screen name. Yeah. It's Dick. Yeah. I, mm, but at the same time, knowing those two, he wanted Dodge to say the word Dick. Yeah. That's why. But because like, that's his name, that's, to reiterate but, that because word. Because I had been, but, yeah. just before, seconds before, we'd been talking, <laughs> yeah. and calling him Rich, and you know, that's his name. Yeah. That's his real name. And then they do they do refer to themselves sometimes as Dominic and, and Rich in, in content, yeah. but... It's again that live environment. He it he just, he knows full well why he's not right. replying. Yeah. Um, but that mortified me. <laughs> it's not rude, but, but it mortified me to, to be saying the wrong thing. I don't like to do say the wrong thing on air. That they are they are like a they are a force to be reckoned with when you get yeah. into a live environment with them. I don't think that I don't they'll ever try and do anything. Like they, he would not have been doing that to make you feel no, make always, you feel off your game or, I know, or bad. Look, I know what they're but like. They yeah. You never know what's going to happen next, but yeah. I never once felt uncomfortable with them during that mm. whole week because before that I was like, ah, you're never in danger. What, with are them. they? Are they gonna? Are they gonna push the boundaries with the puppet? They never did. I think the gallery get they, frightened. The gallery get frightened, but what I was felt as safe as houses with them. Yeah. I felt like these are my people. Yeah, <laughs> these are my peeps. And and like I said, I feel like Dodge had a massive like growth spurt during that week in in personality and he evolved. Also, the live environment provides its own obstacles as well that that don't necessarily result in inappropriate or like near fireable behaviour. But there are times where you have to sort of vamp and, and you freak yourself out a little, yeah. and it feels like it happens on stage as well. But like where it feels horrible yeah. as it's happening, yeah. But then you look back at it and you go, "Oh, it was only twenty seconds, it's and it's actually okay." Yeah, you were saying that time when the pro Arthur fell off air which means it stopped running and me and you had to feel for like 11 minutes you were saying this just for recorded you went do you remember that time and I was like oh my god yeah and we were in character, we're in character it, it, was, shop, it was a confrontation street like spin off morning or something yeah. and we didn't know how long we'd have to fill basically they had to take <laughs> the tape out unspool the tape put a new tape in and this is back in London as well this is happening in a place called White City in London going through our gallery in Salford and we're there, like, yeah. suddenly hearing, okay, so White City have been in touch, there's been a problem that's going to take at least five minutes. Um, we're going to try and get it done quicker, though. Can you just keep going? As we were building yeah. up to the natural conclusion of, like, send those in and we'll talk to you after yeah. this. So we did all the business of send us some pictures in and we'll read them out and letters and stuff. And you suddenly but hear then you run out prompts. of stuff to do. You yeah. run, there's only so much you can be prepared. So what we did was we started to <laughs> act as a QVC channel and sell the stuff that was behind us. <laughs> we did. <laughs> like, for some vision ups that morning, it's like really quickly getting like one of the cameras zoomed into this thing, so they're just playing along and making yeah, it yeah. work. 
I, I think the important thing in those environments is to acknowledge something's gone wrong yeah. and, and run with it. And you can't underestimate, yeah. like you just said, the support of the people in the gallery. Yeah. The sound man, the vision mixer. You, you, They're on it. The director, the producer. You can't, everybody's with you, so you, you are safe, actually. As long as you're competent at your job, they'll follow along with you. I also remember the PS on that one was it then finally they started playing a Dick and Dom Diaries episode instead. Mm. And about five seconds in, we got someone buzzed up to, to the gallery and the gallery said, like, your mics are still on. So right. we just started doing audio commentary <laughs> in character to Mike the episode. To show, yeah. So this is so weird. We could have, we could have the, moment it, the moment it went to vision, we could have just gone like, oh, um, yeah. So it's, it's a good job that it's a good job that we're on it, I suppose. Yeah. And finally, uh, this one comes in from uh, my friend and yours. Uh, dear listener and dear Warwick, Sophie McCoy, who we work with uh, on numerous projects over the years. Many years. Lovely Sophie says, if you had to look at your CV and pick one show off of it that would be the only thing you could puppeteer on forevermore, what would it be and why? Well, so. You've got you to kill your darlings in this here's one. Here's the answer. Because <laughs> CBB's House isn't a show. Ah, uh, oh, no, okay. But I would choose that. Oh, okay. Dodge. I thought, you were, I thought you were about to save it by no. saying it's not a show so I'm not technically not picking it well I would pick it but it's not a show so yeah. I can't that's true so Sesame Street would be the show yeah because I have a character there Gomer I've always loved Sesame Street always wanted to be I've always wanted to make it to Sesame Street mm. and to be there to legitimately be there as a character for me is just like off the, off the charts dude dude you did it <laughs> yeah Six-year-old was, did it? I said I can close up now. You got there. Close it, close it shot. After after this, I'll just take you out back like all yellow. And <laughs> we end it. Um, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm going to have to get you back for another one. There's so many more stories I want to tell. I've enjoyed this much more than I thought I would. It's weird, isn't it? I, 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 I just, that's a weird thing for me to say. Like, it's weird to have fun. But like, it's it, yourself and, and Phil and I'm assuming Ed. Because we've not recorded that one yet. But I'm assuming Ed... Um, you guys, this isn't really your bag, but no. well, you, we're not you, seen. We're not, we're, we don't do this kind of thing. Or, or in Ed's case, like you say, it's more of a performance kind of yeah. thing. But like, you guys have stories to tell, and I'm so I'm so happy that you've you've chosen for to the tell listeners them. out there. These yeah. aren't all the stories, and they will be available in the book. Yes, the book. <laughs> out of the road. Oh god, can you imagine? Oh my god, let's get crowdfunded on that one now. <laughs> yeah. You shoot it on your iPhone. Shoot a trailer for it on iPhone oh, at a food right. truck at Media City. <laughs> we'll get it made. So for all those out there listening, where can they find you? Where can they see you? Where can they hear you? Where can they look at a thing and go, oh, I think that's Warwick making that move? <laughs> okay, well, currently you can see me as Dodge on the CBB's channel in the CBB's house. You can soon see some new Ed and Outro videos, mm. which will drop sometime in September. Keep me peeled, people. On YouTube. Very exciting. <laughs> and you can see me in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which is the new Netflix series. That will drop on Netflix on August the 30th, 2019. So if you've not already watched it, hurry up and watch it, please. And do remember, you won't actually see me. Yeah. I'll be performing puppets in these shows. But you see his name in the credits. You'll be like, oh, that's Warwick. There he is. Hopefully. Hopefully they better put you in the credits. And if you want to find me online, you can go to my website, which is www.brownlow-pike.co.uk. Or you can find me at social media, simply at Warwick BP. He's on it, folks. He's on it, he's under it, he's in it. I hadn't rehearsed that. They hadn't at all. That wasn't the third take at all. (laughs) (laughs) Warwick, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you much, uh, muchly, much muchly, all of you out there for listening to Out the Brim Cupboard. 
is me again with some other info and credits and all that stuff. See you later. Bye. Say bye, Dodge. Bye, Dodge. Out of the Broom Cupboard is a podcast hosted by and produced by Christopher Yonko-Johnson. This month's guest was Warwick Brownlow Pike, Puppeteer, Talking Dog, and Cantankerous Cactus. The theme music is Break Time by Incompetech, owned by Kevin McLeod. And you can donate to the show, supporting it and helping fund future episodes and recording facilities and the eventual live incarnation by going to patreon.com forward slash OOTBC. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.